Hi, everybody. It's Laura. Um, today we're going to continue with our podcast. Today we have Dr. Oki, who is our new intensivist. So he's going to speak to us about um, BiPAP. And, but first, he's going to tell us a little something about him. Sure. Um, thank you for having me. My name is Oki Ishikawa. I go by Dr. Oki because Ishikawa seems to be a little difficult for people. So for everybody, nurses, patients, whoever, I just go by my first name. Uh, I came here. I've been doing a little bit of moonlighting on the weekend, so some of you may have already seen me. But uh, I'm full-time since August, and I trained at uh, Lenox Hill Hospital for my residency and uh, pulmonary critical care fellowship. And throughout the last year, I I was a sleep fellow at North Shore LIJ, and I'm uh, very happy to be here. Uh, it's an honor to work in this unit, and uh, even through my moonlighting, I, I was already able to tell that this is a great place to work. So um, I heard about this podcast, and I saw the topics, and most of it seemed to sort of focus on the specific pathology, but I wanted to talk about a modality that we use, a specific therapy that we use for all of a lot of the um, pathologies that we see in the ICU, which is the BiPAP. So I think it's important to first um, sort of talk about what when it's indicated, when it's not indicated, and when you should move to straight to intubation. BiPAP is, of course, we know is a, is a non-invasive way of delivering positive pressure, meaning that you're basically pushing air into the patient to help their work of breathing. The difference between BiPAP and CPAP is that CPAP is a continuous pressure no matter which breathing cycle you're in, in, in inspiration versus exhalation, uh, BiPAP adjusts the pressure according to the cycle of your um, of your breathing. Uh, it generates one pressure when you're inhaling and one uh, another pressure when you're exhaling. They do different things, and the gradient between the two pressures is different, but I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, so most of the times we see it for people who um, need with the, with the work of breathing. If they're breathing 35 to 40 times a minute and they're shallow with their breathing, to augment their work of breathing so that they don't have to breathe so hard for so long, you use a BiPAP. We see that in COPD patients. We see that in CHF exacerbation patients. We see that sometimes in asthma patients and generally, and, and not just respiratory issues, for people in really bad metabolic acidosis, whether that be from DKA or severe lactic acidosis from one another, the uh, way for the body to compensate that is to breathe very hard to release that carbon dioxide to equilibrate the pH. So in that case, if someone does need help with the work of breathing in that sense, you also can use BiPAP as well. So those are some of the indications that you'll see um, BiPAP being used on the floors and in the ICU. Um, contraindications, that's where it kind of gets important. Of, of course, uh, it is pushing air into the, uh, in, into the patient. So if someone is actively vomiting, having hematemesis, if they're really altered and cannot protect their airway, those are not the kinds of patients that you would want to use a BiPAP unless they have uh, you know, specific things like DNR, DNI, and you're limited in your interventions. But generally, uh, in those patients, you do not want to use a BiPAP. Also, um, even if their work is work of breathing is uh, very hard uh, or uh, is, is super high, um, if they're really, really alkalotic, as in if their pH is above, say, 7.5 or so, you generally want to shy away from uh, trying to use BiPAP super extensively because it'll improve their ventilation and release more carbon dioxide, but that can make them more alkalotic. So those are some of the things. The alkalosis is sort of a minor point. Um, it's mostly about the mental status, airway protection, and whether they have any vomiting and such that would preclude them from uh, using the BiPAP. So once you decide to use the BiPAP, you put them on, and there's three settings that you generally want to take, uh, take a look at, which is the IPAP, the EPAP, 
and the FiO2. FiO2, I think we're all familiar with, it's the percentage of oxygen. You go up on it if the patient needs a little more oxygen. The IPAP and the EPAP, generally, we start off at 10 over 5. That is uh, 10 centimeters of water pressure when you're inhaling and 5 centimeters of water when you're exhaling. That's a good starting point. There's no rhyme or reason why we start there. It just generally tends to be like a happy medium. Um, keep in mind that the inhalatory pressure is what um, helps with um, the releasing of carbon dioxide and more the differential between the IPAP and the EPAP. So 10 over 5 versus 12 over 5. The 12 over 5 is going to increase the tidal volume for the patient because the pressure differential is what um, sort of constitutes the tidal volume. So if someone needs a little bit more vent ventilation help, you want to expand that and make sure that they're getting a good enough tidal volume, which is usually on the top left uh, of the screen. Um, the EPAP uh, can help with the work of breathing and oxygenation. It's sort of like the peep on the um, ventilator where it keeps the alveoli open. So if someone needs a little bit more help with oxygenation or if you need a lot of force to open up their airway, as in someone who has a lot of abdominal pressure or has is just a generally bigger person, then uh, you can go up on uh, the EPAP as well as the IPAP too if the tidal volume seems to need more help. So um, those are the parameters that you want to look for. Of course, if they're still breathing at, uh, at a really high rate of 35 to 45 on a BiPAP, you immediately want to consider intubation and talk to, uh, talk to whoever the uh, primary care team is and alert them that, hey, this guy's on BiPAP and the pressure is high and we're, uh, we're trying to adjust it and the FiO2 is high, but he's still breathing super high. So that's when you need to alert the primary team to um, go further into intubation or consider it at least. So uh, that's sort of the general scheme of when to use BiPAP, how to look at the BiPAP numbers, and why we go up on certain numbers, and uh, hope this helps. Great. Thank you, Oki. That was wonderful, and welcome. Thank you very much.